Hi guys, Sean from DNS Strength Collective, one half of the DNS podcast here. This episode we got a really special guest for you. We've got Mike Jones, also known as The Gov. A bit of a legend, a bit of a myth in strength sports. He's been around for a long time, he's seen a lot, he's done a lot. And uh, it was great having a chat with him. This is going to be a, a two-part episode. This first half goes for about 90 minutes. Um, and we had a lot more to talk about. So uh, get ready for the second half. And we're really hoping we can get one with uh, Mike and Luke together. Uh, Luke's been part of the strongman scene for Luke Reynolds over 10 years. Um, and between the two of them, they've just got a lot of knowledge of strongman as a sport, the history of it through Australia and, and worldwide. They've achieved a lot. They've done a lot. And just a couple of really good, really good guys, a couple of friendly giants. So... Enjoy this episode with Mike Jones. One thing I do want to say is, unfortunately, our next door neighbours, um, their their kid was having a bit of a fit. So you will hear a kid crying in this episode. We do apologise. We weren't able to, to take that out. I hope it's not too distracting for you. The other thing is, this was a spur of the moment one. So we recorded our, t- our normal, our typical episode on Thursday. Um... So catch that episode on our YouTube channel, DNS Strength Collective. And if you want to find out if you won one of the DNS prize packs, head on over to to the YouTube channel, drop us a like, and keep an ear out for your name being called. Well, that's it from me. It's a big podcast. We can't wait to have him back, and we hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoy talking to Mike. <laughs> I've got to put some weight on actually. Who's stopping you? Me. Who's stopping you? Me. Fucking got to get sorted out. Follow his diet. Well, we pretty much. We pretty much eat. Pretty similar. Similar, aren't we? So I eat more in the morning. You eat more. Yeah, yeah you like more in the you, morning. One of you either overeating or undereating. Which one? Which? <laughs> Both, eh? <laughs> so why don't you look like him? Why don't you look like him? <laughs> sort it out. And at that point in time, it's all the, the genetics comes into it, doesn't it? Yeah. What genetics? He's from the West Country. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <With these> genetics. <laughs> You're lucky he's got two arms and two legs. Fucking <laughs> 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 two cocks. Fucking sit. I'm way. <laughs> and two heads. That's quite normal, isn't it? Yeah. There are some strange people in the West Country. There's a lot of strange oh, people in yeah. the UK. When you go out, when you go far to Deanway, Cinderford, that's where it's at. So did you ever train in Gloucester? Yeah. So I studied at Riverside. Yeah, I know exactly where Riverside yeah. was, yeah. But it's gone now. Yeah, it has, because King's School bought it. Oh, okay. Yeah. It used to be, home base was in the middle, remember, in that big random Yep, bit? and that's yeah. now, uh, equivalent of an office works. Yeah, yeah, And they got like a country lifestyle shop there. Yeah. That fucking, yeah, it's like a, it's like a big roundabout. It wasn't a roundabout. It but was it was like, like a it, octagon. It, it was like an attempt at a roundabout <laughs> that had no on or off points. You just did what you want. Was Seven Side open then when you were there? Seven Side. Lee Powell's gym. No. There was a gym down the back of uh, Hempstead. Hempstead, you know, so you know, we go over the over yeah, the over the bridge. You know where the pub used to be on the corner? Yep. I used to work at Seven Side Scaffold. Yeah, okay. On the corner there, and the Morley's roofing, and that's all gone now, apparently. 
it's all changed that way. You've got like Fieldins, Fieldins, Hempstead, all that area yeah, around yeah, there. Yeah, it's all a bit posh. They got, they got a new gym there called The Gym, Bristol Road. Oh, okay. Which big, cool. yeah. Uh, the owner of that, a uh, young lad, PJ Maguire now trains there. Oh, that's what you're talking about, yeah. PJ yeah. trains there, yeah. PJ yeah. was uh, long. How he's, old is he Well, he just did, I think he did 10 years in prison, but he's come out fit yeah. as a bunny. Is that the bloke who um, used to own the uh, the BMW with the number plate nicked N one C K E D, but he used to hold at post offices. He was a quick, he was a good powerlifter. Yeah, and he had a lot of records. Yeah, he used, he used to date my neighbour. There you go. But that's, that's he's a naughty, bit, yeah, he's a bit yeah, naughty fucker. Yeah, and her brother used to go. We used to go to the same school. Yeah, but he was always in there. Yeah, one of those guys that likes to holiday at times. Yeah, yeah, disappear for a while. But like off the Butlins, and then he come back about five years later. <laughs> <Butlins. laughs> we were chatting about that. But he, he, Pontins. I think. He, well, how, old, how old reckon he would be? He'd be at least late forties now. Yeah, and he's easy ten years older than me. Shredded. Yeah. Yeah. Strong. Well, he's still doing like dead. He's still doing like two twenty deadlifts for like fifteen twenty reps. Nothing else to do in prison, though, is there? No. Might as well train, it, yeah. Yeah, training. But he's got loads train or get Rogered. It's one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> Both of you lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, luck. <laughs> Maybe for you, Strad. Boys. Bit about that. <laughs> <laughs> fucking lost to prison. Imagine. Yeah, still there. Prison's gone. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, my mate actually well, they, ran. They turned into timeshare apartments or something. My mate actually ran a boxing <laughs> show out there. He ran a boxing yeah. show out there. Yeah, fucking amazing. Legit. Legit. Wow. And the courtyard there. Huh? Yeah. Courtyard of an old prison. Yeah. Boxer gammon. Yeah, he ran a... More like Gammon Steak. Don't get Gammon idea. Yeah. No. He's, he's a... You're a fucking idiot. I'm like Gammon. He's a... Pikey. Fat Gammon. Oh, Pike, Pike right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They ran a box <laughs> shot. There was a white collar. Fucking amazing. I'll show you some pictures. Is it legal now? What? What's that? Is it legal in some No, place? the white collar's huge back home now. Massive. What's white collar? Unlicensed. Is that what they call it? Corporate boxing. What? Yeah, yeah so like corporate. CEOs and... Oh, hang on. This day, you can't say that no more. Yeah, I know. It's of colour. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we haven't pressed record yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah, you can't say it now, can you? No, no. Yeah. So it's of a colour. Yep. Right? Yeah. So pink, green, black, blue yellow, blue, blue colour. Right? Working class. Velvet. Velvet. Right? And we're going into textures now. Yeah. It's <laughs> in Gloucester, mate. You haven't been to Olivia. No. Have you been to Gloucester? No, never been to Gloucester. <laughs> Don't. Show yourself. It's fucking rough as assholes. It's it's quite special. I haven't been there for about twenty years. Were you a Gloucester boy growing up? Nah, so I did um, sort of secondary school there. You I used to, live down, used to live down in Wales, so I went to primary school there. Oh yeah. Then moved up to Gloucester, and we used to get the bus to school. So when we come to Gloucester, the school was like walking distance. That's the reason we went to Oxtals. We didn't know what it was like. Round the corner. Yeah, it was literally like ten minute walk. Better than getting up at like half past six in the morning, getting an hour for the bus. You used to live in the village. Down the valleys? Uh, yeah, pretty much. And then, um, yeah, so from what, 11, so year seven started there. Oh, so you came, so you're about 12 years old when you came to Gloucester? Yeah, yeah. so we went the first year there, and then, uh, yeah, we didn't do, uh, didn't do uh, A-levels. That's no. just now, isn't it? What they call it? O levels, wasn't it? Was it O levels? Oh, GCSEs. GCSEs. GCSEs when then, I was there. Then you would do uh, A levels if you wanted to be a smart fucker, and then you go to university. Yeah, six, it's six form. Yeah, six form or A levels, wasn't it? Yeah, there was no six form at our school. B tech. Yeah. No, we didn't have six form. You'd go to uh, King's School if you wanted to do six form. 
you want to do here Kingston no back in England back, we had a back where King's I grew up that's funny enough we had a Kings which is private school yeah they used to go to school there. six days a week that's right they would, they would start later what's wrong with them they're six days I think they started later I like finished earlier, so instead of having longer days, it worked around the parents. It was like one of the only private schools or one of the major private ones. Big into French of them. Big into yeah. sport when they had a yeah, bit yeah. of a connection with lost big, rugby. Big money ah, actually, cricket. I think we spoke about that one. That's the one I played hockey against. Yeah, you've yeah. done, yeah. Big hockey, hockey, rugby union, cricket. Cricket was a big one as well. They always thought they were better than everybody else because yeah. they had money. Yeah, they were, they were the biggest school. It's like Wisbeach Grammar, and then you had to remind them that it's still bloody Wisbeach. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't polish his head. You can't polish his head. But yeah, high school there, or, or you know, secondary school. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, not really academic. No. You know, you know the people that are sort of around that area. Sort of tradesmen and pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, you leave school. Hairdressers, <laughs> yeah. right? And the chicks, right? You know, it was, uh, and there, there was just no, no money there at all. Mm-hmm. It was just a local school that we went to, and they took all the rejects. Yeah, you know, they paid good money, and you know that's what it was. Yeah, you know, but Gloucester is just another normal what city in in the UK really, just a smaller version. Yeah, outside of the major ones, Liverpool, Birmingham, Manchester, London, they're all the same. Mm. They've all got their little hubs. They've all got their areas. And, yeah, but I, I think it's changed a lot now, from what I've been told. It's a lot different across the country. Yeah, Gloucester's still the same. And Australia. Australia's <laughs> <laughs> not going to change. Never. There's a reason why it's over there. Yeah, I still right. walk in the local, and when I left five years ago, everyone, Brown is still sat in the same seat, <laughs> and they've still been there, <laughs> drinking the same pint, same time, same routine. It's all the same, nothing changes. No. I like that, I quite like that, though. Well, creature of habit. Creature of habit, yeah. Were the gyms in, was there a gym in Australia? Uh, I trained at the fitness mill, I've been there for 20 years. Griffin Mill, they used to call it. It's an old mill, you know. Yeah. Different levels. Was it Stratford Park? You would have remember Stratford Park Leisure Centre. Yeah, Leisure Centre. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, that's still going. That's all being revamped now. Yeah. They got a new one called Fifth Dimension, which has only been there for within the last, I want to say, eight years. When did you stop training? Uh, Sixteen. Sixteen. Fifteen. So, I remember getting weights for Christmas. I was like 15. Yeah. And those York ones with sand in them. I remember those. Yeah. I had a set of those. Everyone had a set of them. It kind of got the point, yeah, you couldn't put any more on you. And then once you get to the gym, really. So, yeah, from uh, yeah 15, we've been training. Yeah. And then started the gym at 16. And that was down at Riverside. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, things are very, very different there. You know, it was just a, it was a, a simple rule was no one would speak to you. None of the guys would talk to you. Yeah. You know, obviously, there were, there were, there were men in there, like real men. You know, and, and these guys wouldn't speak to you. Probably it took four or five months for anyone to acknowledge me. And all, all I did was went in, I just watched what these guys are doing. Not in a strange homo way, just, you know what I mean? <laughs> but as in learn and go, well, you know, what exercise they're doing, you know, and magazines and books. Yep. And, and literally started like that. It took about four or five months for all. Yeah, someone would, would actually say hello to us. You know, and, and these are what you, you know, these are real workmen, you know, tradesmen guys, you know, been work all day. You know, big dudes, you know? Strong. Yeah, strong guys. So, you know, when you're 15, 16 years old, you just go, well, well, this is what it's like, you know? The gym's old school equipment in there, uh, just dumbbell rack. Um, I don't even think they had a squat rack. Just a lot of, uh, remember all the, the, the chain gear? Everything was chains and cogs, those machines. Yeah, they had loads of those in there. And so you didn't know how to use them. No one would show you. You're just a kid, so no one paid any attention. 
Mm. So you literally had to watch what guys were doing. Mm. And Copy. yeah, and then eventually, yeah, you know, people would speak and then they'd pass some advice and opinion, but you didn't speak to them for long. There was no like, as soon as they'd say hello and they, they might say, you know, you know, uh, that, uh, oh, you know, this exercise might be better for that. And if, if you asked them, other than that, yeah, they wouldn't give a time of day. Strictly business. Yeah, it was all trained. No one spoke to nobody apart from lifting. Yeah. And that's all that matters. So then we trained there for, yeah, probably what, three, yeah, about three years. Uh, and then we ran out, uh, uh, dumbbells basically only run up to like, you know, 30, 40 kilos. So they opened a, a new gym, a sporter, and their dumbbells went up to 50 kilos. A sport Brotworth? Uh, no, it's at uh, Long Barnwood. You know, the roundabout? Yeah. We're CNG, Chapman Lostables. Yeah. We had uh, a sport next to the bowling place, yeah. yeah. But the only place had dumbbells, they had 50 kilos. So I was training with one of the boys and yeah, we just weren't enough dumbbells. So, you know, the whole whole objective for me is, is, is starting the gym is you want to get as big and strong as possible. So as a, a, a mental challenge and a, and a progression, they didn't have a program, they didn't write down nothing. You just went, well, I lift this dumbbell, but next one I want to lift this one. Or you want to progress up. Yeah. And just kept it superly simple. So you watched the exercise the boys were doing and worked out how much they were lifting and then you basically try to lift as much as you could and then just progression. Try and get to that point. Yeah, and, and it was it was just literally look from one end to the other and go, I want to get to that. And that, and that's, that was all the focus was. We only trained certain body parts. We didn't, we didn't train legs that much. Um, I just started scaffolding. So work-wise was, you know, you're scaffolding all day. On your feet it's all cold, day. It's wet, so you, you know, do certain exercises. We all did, you know, chest, arms, shoulders. So that done the major things. But the biggest thing was that, yeah, there was there was nowhere to turn to. As in, there was no internet. Yep. Um, videos and, and, and DVDs on training were few and far between. Back then, they'd be like, you know, 30, 40 pounds, you know? There were no bodybuilding shows, no powerlifting comps, no strong men. You ordered the VHS out of the magazines. So. Pretty much, yeah, yep. and that, that's what you would do. So, you know, I would, uh, would buy Muscle Mag every month, and uh, Robert Kennedy would do like four pages in there of hand-drawn exercises per body group. And I'd just see what body group was for the month and then go into the exercises. And then just read the articles from the guys that are, you know, obviously the pro bodybuilders, and you're just looking at sets and reps, and you just, you know what, you go out and try it. So there was, no, there was no right and no wrong, because no one was telling you any differently. So there were no coaches, there were no PTs. You know, the, the, the guy at the desk would, would write your program, and everything would be like, three by 10, three by 12. <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck's that gonna do for size? <laughs> there was no encouragement to lift heavy, you know? So when we changed gyms, and obviously more dumbbells, there was encouragement then to, you know, same thing, just want to keep pushing as, as much as we can. But, you know, we're still like, what, 18, 17, 18, 19? You're not going to put any size on, mm. you know? Let's be honest, your body doesn't stop growing until sort of late 20s for males, where you start getting mature muscle. So you're always going to be fighting uphill battle. I was just one of those skinny sort of tallest guys who didn't, didn't fill out. What were you weighing back then? Oh, when I first started, oh, we would have about maybe 70 kilos, 65, 70 kilos. At 16? Yeah, 16, 17, 18. So and just left school? Yeah, so I was at 11 stone or something. Everything was in stone back then. And then... Um, Good like, stone. Yeah, <laughs> stone. That. Everyone's like, what the hell is, what's 16? Well, what's 16 stone? stone is about 100 kilos, isn't it? Yeah. The only reminder I get when you watch Eddie Hall stuff, he still talks he to He still speaks stone, it, yeah. You know? My mum, she doesn't know kilos. And my dad knows pounds. I know pounds. Who knows pounds? 
Yeah. I can do a conversion weight with weights, so and that's about it. But it, it, all I know is it's 2.2 pounds per kilo. Yeah, it's the only thing I know. Pretty much. You just got to keep it on those uh, those mold stones. 500 pound, 227. Yeah. 600 pound, 272. 272. You know, 700 pound, 718. You know, so just keep it simple with simple weights. That's the landmark. But yeah, all the all the plates and the gyms, um, they they were just all basic. You know. Um, just when we moved gyms, the, the, the plastic one, it wasn't designed to encourage guys to lift heavy. It wasn't one of those gyms. Mm. So those underground gyms that you used to see back in those days, they, they, we never really had those. You know, the places like the Temple, where Dorian Yates used to train, those, those in, the, in the smaller cities I never got exposed to, you know. So you're just at you know, fitness center or sports centers. So how old were you when you came here? I was uh, 19. What brought you over? They speak English <laughs> and the sun shines. In the weather, so pretty yeah. much the same reason any English person is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I got uh, fed up of the rain. <laughs> I, I, I remember actually being on one of the last days was in was in Strad, up on the on the hills, and we got there, and all the scaffolds covered in snow. Right, <laughs> scrape the snow off. Right, work, go that morning tea, come back, the bastard's covered in snow again. Yeah. And do you know what? I'm just what I'm doing. So I woke up one morning, honestly, had a moment of clarity, and went, you know, I'm going to Australia. I didn't know anybody. Didn't have any family, no friends, nothing. I just went, I'm just going. So I thought, well, I saved a bit of money up and then just got on a plane. Somebody, somebody said the other day to me, he said, do you, do you want to go to the snow soon? Is it Parish or something? I was like, God, no. I left the evening because yeah. it's <laughs> freaking cold. I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I hear it's yeah. like 90 yeah. degrees all the time. Yeah, so. well, that's the you other end of the spectrum. Yeah. You know? And then when you get a heat wave in the UK, it's too hot, it's too hot. It's nothing compared to You can never please a palm. But it's too no. wet, it's too cold, it's too hot. Yeah, but I've said this a dozen times. I think I'm the only one that's ever left England and missed the weather. <laughs> yeah. I love well, it. I love look, the, the, like the rain. You yeah. like the rain, it resets us a little bit, then we always say that. We like a bit of rain. Now, now I'm a chunky monkey. To be honest, a bit cooler would be nice. Mm. <laughs> right? I don't like summer. Summer's too much in here. Yeah. You know, I lived in Queensland for a while and, and it was just it the was humidity. Just too, yeah, it's just not designed if um if you're not a fucking sports model. Right? Mm. It's just not ideal. Sweating all day, showering every couple of hours. Yeah, you know, but certainly when I first arrived, you know, uh, what was it, 19, it was great, you know. What year What year was that over here? It was you... uh, 99. 99? Oh, you only got here a couple of years before me then. Yeah, when did you come? 2001. Yeah. Pre-digital era. Yeah. The good days. Yeah, yeah, knock your phone like a brick. It's fantastic. Yeah. Snake 2. Yeah. <laughs> the Things were simple then, right? They really were quite simple. Wasn't complicated, no. and life wasn't run by a mobile phone. Yeah, you know? It's drastically changed now. So, so you, what? I was gonna say, you came over here, so you were training back home. So you were looking for a gym when you first came well, here. Well, we, we were still in that sort of bodybuilding style training mode, right? So all my 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 influence and and uh, and sort of educated reading was just from bodybuilding magazines. I I'd, I'd watch Strongman on TV, and we all had when we were a kid, uh, and then. Um, uh, powerlifting, I didn't even know what powerlifting was because it never, you know what I mean. As back then, it was just everything was about bodybuilding and about getting bigger and stronger. Because when you're a young bloke, you know, you only way you're going to get any sort of respect and divide in a city that's you know not exactly uh, always pleasant no. is you know, you need to you know, get a little bit bigger. No one wants to be a skinny kid, right? Mm. You know, you're, everyone's got stories of being bullied at school and, and name calling and stuff, and, and it always sticks in everyone's head. Now, the people that are too overweight. Or you know whether we girls are too skinny, and this, that's just that's growing up, right? Now you know, if I can get counselling for like ten years, and then you get arrested and you get charged, and the fuck, 
But what I caught him was, was, was he looked a bit ugly. He <laughs> <laughs> just, he can't do nothing no more. It's like, fuck, what happened to the days? Yeah, back then we had to do something about it. You yeah, know what I mean? You know? You need to put a bit of size on, you go and That's right, slap you know? some muscle on or... Yeah, because I uh, guys bullying me. Go and punch him in the face. Right? That's, <laughs> that's the advice you'd give for most adults. Right? Letting true. Go and knock Sons him out. Why? Because you're going to knock you out, you knock him out harder. Right? He hits you. You're it's like having a conversation with my dad. Right? <laughs> it's bloody yeah. true, isn't it? But it was yeah. it, it was even, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Nobody put knives. Nobody brought guns. It was just literally turn up. Let's bash the shit out of each other. Right? <laughs> End of story. It's a fair fight. Yeah, you know. Obviously, uh, you know, as you progressed in pubs, you know, it, it got a bit more sort of. Uh, Interesting, you know, guys assigned to, to glance people are like, hang on, mate, you don't have a fight, just have an even fight. You know, Barton I don't Street. Yeah. There was a pub on Barton Street. There was the you had India House where the boxing club was, and there was one just what, Butler's. Remember was Butler's halfway Butler's? Down? Uh, down? That was West it. No, no, West no, 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 yeah, 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 rough as. Yeah, oh yeah, it was, yeah, it was low, but if you got a duck, you had to walk into a pub and leave it ducked, you know, you, you know you're in a place you shouldn't be in, right? Yeah, Gloucester's got some, it's probably got some of the oh, roughest pubs in the UK. If, if you ever stand in the bar and you look around and you can't see the corner, you go, fuck, where am I? There's no lights in some of these places. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And if you see, you start walking over that, you know when things start coming through the darkness, you're like, yeah, yeah I've got to get out of here, man. But that's what it was like, you know, and, and but that's just but everyone was sort of, I don't know, it seemed to be on the same page. Advancement now is with everyone with access to more information, you know, everyone's a fucking coach, everyone's a power lifter, everyone's a strong man. And you don't oh, yeah, I don't a comp. Mitch a fucking power lifter. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just it, 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 I don't understand and that's that's, you know, one of the hardest things for me is as I've got older now with training is uh the gyms have just changed that much mm. where people aren't self-educating you know so things that are for me quite normal it's not that i'm any better i'm any more experienced it's because you know what i asked a question when i read something i'd go and find out about it do you guys run a program for someone and they got a bunch of what the class of accessories that drives me nuts that does it's not a fucking accessory it's part of of developing the body you know but it, that, that's the mentality, right? You have an accessory exercise, they go for the motions, three by 10, and you go, well, did you actually work that muscle? And you watch people actually physically work, and, and most of the time they don't, because it's in the program. I've done my two major compounds, yeah. I've, got, I've got three accessories to do. And there's no secrets. I told you I'm not any better than anybody else. All I did was I read about muscle growth, how to develop and how to get bigger. The only thing I really read religiously from page to page was Arnold's Encyclopedia. I bought that probably uh, early 2000s, so when I got more sort of bodybuilding style in a commercial gym still when I got it, and I was just doing five, six days a week, all I did, I just basically read that cover to cover, and went back and read chapters and exercises, and in order to just look in the mirror, the mirror is the best way of gauging going, if I didn't like what I seen, I want to change it. So how do you develop this? I need to ask guys, you know, well, how do I get you know, bigger delts and bigger traps, and, and they give you exercises. But people actually spoke and, and talked about physically training that muscle. But no one does that anymore. It's just like a, an, an accessory movement to, to a compound to support it. Which, don't get me wrong, since I've been at Adonis, I've learned obviously a lot from Amir and, and a lot from you coaches that this is, it's different now. Mm. Right? There's no longer a requirement where muscle's no longer king. Right? So the mentality that you know, we always got taught, very simple. You get bigger muscle, you get stronger. So as far as I'm concerned, every time I go to the gym, I want to get as big and strong as possible. That is it. 
So you're going to go through stages. You're going to get stronger at one point. You're going to put on more muscle. But in this generation and day and age, when you've got freaks at 70, 80 kilos squatting 300 plus, yeah. it, it proves a theory that you don't need to be you know, of large size, you don't need to be overweight, you don't need to be of, of super heavyweight to be a strong, right? Yeah, when powerlifting was, you know, you look like 10, 10, 15 years ago, it was that one, it was, that was the, yeah. as much, it didn't matter what weight it was, it was... You it, said powerlifting to you, say, 15 years ago, and you think of, you know, big guy, big stomach, hairy chest, Single on, you know, and bench High blood pressure, red yeah. face, donuts, yeah. pack of donuts next to the squat rack. Yeah, you know. And a Metrex meal replacer. Remember them ones? The old yeah. Metrex, they were the best. I still look for them now. The old Metrex sachets. Remember them? Yeah. They taste really good. Yeah, 100%. That was when protein was expensive. Yeah. It was really expensive. The toilet was, was um, yeah, interesting. Man. Yeah, because diet, yeah, no one, no one ever goes through diet, you know. No, no one discussed that. You know, but the, the, the elite level powerlifters, I was never sort of subjected to, it was only the stuff that was in a magazine. Mm. So I think powerlifting magazine, there was one of them. So when you look in the fitness section of the news agents, this is when people actually bought magazines. Remember those days? Yeah. Mm. Are you listening? Paper. Fucking read it. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, pick it up and read it. Yeah. You know, if I read something on, on the internet, for me, I struggle to take the information in. Yeah. You print it out and put it in front of you, then you'll read it. Digest you know? it better. Yeah. yeah I understand that. So yeah. I, the manuals that I'll, I buy, if I buy a book online, like PDF, I'll print it. Exactly. Yeah. So then I'll, I'll sit there the highlighter. Because yeah. that's the only way I can absorb it. Anyway, look, my, my comments come in generalization from yeah. what I've seen, it and it, but it just seems to be that, I don't know, as, as it may upset some people or not, I don't know, but it, nobody wants to learn anything. They want to be told what to do and they want to know when the results are coming. Mm. And, and, and that seems to be quite acceptable in society, right? Yeah, they want to put it on someone else. When you have to take ownership of the program, do you know what I mean? Or, or yeah. whatever you're doing, you, you, you know, the training exercises, you have to take ownership of what you're doing to get the results. You know, to, to me personally, if you have to ask how long it takes to get this strong, you don't deserve to be that strong. No. Right? So, you know, people talk about journey. I can have a journey. <laughs> to me, it's some of the fucking bus does. Right, you go on a journey, where to? To the shops, right? <laughs> that's, that's but apparently now it says to me, follow my journey. Yeah. I'm like, how about I just ring you up have a chat? You know, we, <laughs> apparently not now, you can't say that shit. So anyway, for me, it's, it, it's about getting to there is, to be honest, is more enjoyable. I don't like competing. No, no, it do, doesn't, doesn't do it for me. I'm competitive to the point that with literally myself, it's not a cliche thing, all I care about is me because at the end of the day, when everyone stops fucking watching your videos, everyone stops talking to you, right? It's still you that's got to satisfy yourself every single day. Have you achieved what you want to achieve, mm. right? And without that, you got nothing. Because if you're doing it for other reasons, it's the reason why people start the gym in January, you know, worst time of year, New Year, and they basically phase out. Because it's all for the wrong reasons. Absolutely. And if you don't have a reason why you're there and you're doing it for you, it doesn't matter what the reason is. It could be that you don't want to go home to your boyfriend, your girlfriend, you don't want to go to their family. Whatever it is, you need a justified reason of why you're there. And if you don't want to get better every time you go to the gym, then how do you expect to get the results? So even now, here we are now, 25 years later, nothing makes any difference in my world when I've come to train. All I care about at that moment, whether it's 20 kilo squat because of injury, or it's throwing a kilo, whatever it is, all that matters at that moment in time is is what I need to do to make it happen. Because if you fail it, 
then you turn around to yourself and go, well, did I do everything I could? So if you're thinking about work or thinking about family or thinking about the kids or thinking about what I've got to do at the weekend, of course you're going to fucking fail. Mm. But trying to, trying to change people's mentality is where the people that we spoke and met, you know, in the last few months is, I'm, I'm no coach. I'm just a guy that's lifts and just done it a long time. The only difference is that when I go to lift, whether it's a warm-up set or a top set, all that matters in my world is that. Nothing else. And people can think that's quite dramatic. No problem. But at least I know that if I failed, I gave 110%. I'm not going to lie to myself about it. But if you're not half focused, prepared, and you're getting ready for a top set, and you're already thinking, oh, there's still a warm-up set, and you bomb out, all of a sudden your whole demeanor has gone down for the rest of the session. You know, you guys as coaches, and, and Amir taught me this, was, you know, failure isn't, isn't a good thing if you're basically banging out reps and grinding them. You know, it has a, a, has a very bad effect, you know? So as part of a training pattern and program, there's a time and a place for it. But you guys don't encourage that. So it's hard for me when I, I came to, uh, you know, what they call a, a strength and conditioning gym and a, and, a, and a powerlifting style gym was, my, I've always trained to the point of destruction, right? So bodybuilding style training, if you're doing a bodybuilding routine or, or a part, you train that to destruction. Yep, absolutely. As far as I'm concerned, whether it's just, whether it's face pulls, tries to push downs, whatever you're doing, I only care about training it to the point of it's so fatigued that I've had a training effect. You know, if you're gonna do a warm-up set, fair enough, but if you're gonna actually go, you know what, I wanna get some bigger arms, you gotta train. Yeah. But people don't wanna get told that. No. You know, the old boys used to have a theory, isn't it? When it starts hurting, you start counting. Yeah, counting, yeah. You know? But well, Dorian was a big, that was his whole... Intensity. Yeah, intensity, one set, two sets to failure. I think yeah. it actually was all one out set, wasn't it? Yeah, some of the Build stuff, and, 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 but it worked. Yeah. And, and that's no what frustrates me about, about the, uh, the changes in the world at the moment, going, hold on a minute, what has changed? So from the guys in the 80s and 90s, from, from my era, is these guys were still freaks. But you're trying to reinvent the wheel saying, never train a failure, you should be doing this, that's too much protein, that's too much. Trying to avoid hard work. To a certain degree, yeah, I'd have to say, you don't yeah. want to tell people that, because they don't want to hear it, right? But if you're not fully focused on what you're doing when you come to the gym, how can you get the results? I don't understand. Because in between, obviously it's actually wearing off a few guys down there, because in between sets, you all literally sit there, towel across, eyes closed, just thinking about exactly what you have to do to execute the next Yeah, I'm honestly, I'm not here to prove a point for nothing. I don't care about anything else at the time, right? I don't take the phone with me. I'm not interested. Right? I never ever went to the gym to make friends. Not interested, right? It's not that I'm too good or better. I've come here to get better. After that, no problem at all. Talk about all you want, you know? Happy to help people. But this is my time. I'm not getting paid. No one has dragged me here. I fucking drive an hour across town, right? On certain days, depending on where I am, to come and train here because of the environment. And then some days I go and train somewhere else. But the point is I'm going there because I want to go. Yeah. No one's dragging me there. So if I don't focus on what I want to do, I leave the gym and go, that was a shit session. You go, well, did you put everything into it? No. So what do you expect? So fucking whinging, get on with it. And the mentality is that, yeah, I ticked the box, I did everything in the program, but you didn't progress. You know, speed and power, we've obviously mm. been discussing, and, and, and for me, it's something that, it, it changed my training dramatically, that I kept going back to basics. If you can't move that weight at 50%, with the same amount of speed and power as you can with your opening, there's something wrong. So you need to progressively build and drive more power and more speed, especially for squatting and deadlifting. 
for, for me anyway, it works. So I know when I'm getting slow and, and things aren't progressing, I go back to basics. If I'm not pulling as fast as possible, you know, my hips are getting tired or my hamstrings are getting tighter, you've got to work on them. You know, it's like having a performance car and not opening the bonnet. You know, how do you expect to get 100% of your body if you're not going to maintain it? And the problem is the heavier that we all train, the more we train, the body starts to shut down. It's not designed to do this. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. And we all do it. I do it as well. Go, oh, it'll be fine. See if he's going, no, 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 no. Do you stretch out? Oh, yeah, sometimes. Fuck off, do we? No one wants to stretch out. <laughs> well, then you get the other people who want to roll around a phone router for like three hours <laughs> when they get in. Well, we've had that conversation a couple of times yeah. this week. And I go, I always wonder, going, what's that do? Yeah. You've come in and you're running around the foam roller, it's fantastic, but you haven't lifted anything. And it kind of sets the tone for the session as well. If you're, if you're lying down and rolling around for half an hour, 45 minutes, how long is it going to take you to get out? That's like gear one, mm. you know what I mean? You're trying to get to gear six, No, gear but five. you're on the phone as well, so it's highly productive. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of, it sets the tone, If you're it? on the phone, on a foam roller, you're, you're, away with you're not doing fuck all, no. right? Because it's not meant to be comfortable. It's not meant to be pleasant. You know, foam rolling's got a place and I don't have any, any biomechanics degree, I don't work for NASA, I don't care, right? So if it hurts, fix it. If you're getting told by a professional to do these exercises or work, do them. It's that simple. Yep. Right? And I don't do them, and I know what I need to do on the days that I go, you know what? That was shit. I go, well, I haven't done the work before. You gotta accept that, you know? And we're all the same. You know, it, it, what do they say? What do you say? Do as I do. Do as, do as I do, not as I say. We were discussing today in training. Yeah. When you tick all the boxes in your head of what you ought to do, things go well, right? Because you spend so much time telling other people the obvious stuff is hard. Because you must get drained, right? Telling yeah. people, yeah? Yeah, sometimes. You know? Not in a bad way, you know? But the, it, it's a hard concept for me to understand that no one showed me shit. There was no gyms, there were no coaches. But if you said... Uh, you met an average bloke or a chicken office now, right? Never worked out before. Went to high school, say, 10 years ago. Played a bit of sport, hadn't done much. I go, I want to go to the gym. Oh, okay, that'd be good, yeah. i got to get a coach. What for? Just go to the gym. I need a coach and i got to get a diet as well. Why well, just go to the gym and, and just, just, just work out? They'll show you a basic understanding of machines, which is a requirement by law, and then just, yeah, just jump online and find a program. And I need a coach. What? Mm. How do you have a coach? Straight away, yeah. how? You know, in, in the first sort of in the in the first month, people just think, yeah, they've got all these things checked off, and that's the work done for them. Do you know what I mean? It's it's that, that easy way out a little but bit, that's isn't it? What society is now, right? Yeah, they, absolutely. They, we need to have a coach. Absolutely, right? And that's the part I'm, I'm sort of, I don't know. I understand, and, and they've got a massive place. It's not about the coach himself as a person. It's not about the gym, but nobody anymore becomes with education. They go to you and go, right, I want a program. You give them a six week program, you know? And, and, and I learned this, especially talking for a mirror a lot over the years, was it's hard for you guys as a professional going, all it takes now on social media is something to go, oh, well, here's my progress six weeks later, and you've congratulated them and said that they've made some good progress. Someone else goes, oh, yeah, so and so went to this gym and, and he got an extra 20 kilos out of his bench. Yeah, he needs to go and say, oh, my, my mate put 50 kilos on his bench. How as coaches, you've got to be professional and not sort of reply how you want to reply. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's the match. Yeah, it, 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 it just, but to me, you know, you, 
who, who needs a coach in the first fucking two years of training? That's the fun part. That's exactly. the part where, where every you get day, to make mistakes and learn. Every day, right, you're always going to get development. So if you've gone from doing absolutely jack to all of a sudden going to the gym three times a week, even if you did three sets of ten, right, on three different exercises three times a week, you would make development. Mm. There's going to be muscle development. So to say a guy came in with a 40 kilo bench and 12 weeks later bench 100, yeah, he's gone from fuck all to actually now training for a 12 week program. I could put him out in the servo doing push-ups and fucking watering cans. He's going to get better, right? And, and, and that, the frustrating part is that you guys don't get that, that chance to defend yourself. Everything's on social media and everyone's a hero. The yeah. weak have just got pathetic and stronger and the good people now have had to be more professional and watch what they say. There's, 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 we're, not, we're not always the best at watching what we say. Yeah. But you have to to a certain degree, right? Yeah, yeah, like, you do. Uh, that's society these days, isn't it? Society's changed. But in the fitness industry, it's huge. It's all smoking yeah. mirrors. It is. You know? It's, it's where we're, we're all just normal people. It's funny, because it's like, one of the things that, if you, it's all like talking about social media, if you look at Penrith's uh, Instagram account, you don't see Dan and I. We're not on there. Right. It's all the members, because at the end of the day, like, we're not the ones that are getting the result or doing the work. We, we help them. They're doing guiding. It. Yeah, we guide yeah. them. It's a guide. You know what I mean. But your uh, your your training if you is, at another, is important. It is. If you looked at like um, an Instagram gym, for lack of a better term, yeah, the only person you'll see there is the coach and the owner flexing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm not interested in being insta famous and, and being. I'd rather have you know five people that want to work hard than a hundred people that look pretty on Instagram. Mm. And that's bad business maybe, but True. it's a personal personal preference. But that's the only transition I, I struggle with is that is that people don't seem to do much research themselves mm. outside of here. They're the ones that stick around. The ones that wanna, you know, Look what's these days look on look at a YouTube video. They want to digest knowledge and take it on. They're the ones that stick around. The ones that are always asking the questions, asking me yeah. question after question. What's this? What's that? Come Why on. am I doing this? Yeah. Why am I doing it's that? It's short lived. Yeah, it's like a passion, right? Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, if you don't understand what you're doing, it comes back the same thing. None of us are getting paid to come here. Yeah. You know no. what I mean? If anything, you're paying a coach to, to do something. You know, so I, I can't get away from that, and I've just had to accept that the fact that. Some people don't have that burning desire. They need to be accountable. You know, lifestyles are different now. You know, having a coach and someone check, and, and I know you boys have probably got lots of interesting stories about about <laughs> stuff that happens with messages you get about this and that, and I've heard over the years and gone, well, do people ask that stuff? Yeah. And apparently, yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they believe they have a right now that you're, you're responsible for their, for their success and their demise. It's all down to you guys and what you say. I'm like, fuck, take some responsibility. Yeah. You know? We try not to get in the habit of, of mothering, do we? Do you know what I mean? No. We try and get the, we really put the ownership on the guys, like to submerge themselves. But not every, every coach obviously does that. You know? No. Uh, yeah. Some people go to the extreme where some gyms will take ownerships of their members. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, fuck, nobody owns me. Exactly. You know what I mean? Is everyone to contribute in factor, you know? You know, so I, I don't know. I just don't see an even balance. I, I, that's what's hard. But the, the, it's definitely social media for for the fitness industry for me has has probably changed it. Probably not for the better. So you were saying like you compete against yourself. Pretty much in order to yeah, I, I know where I sit in society. Yep. 
uh, I'm not negative, I'm not positive about it, I just go, do you know what? I need to get better. So if I come third in the conference three of us, I didn't come third, I came fucking last. Yeah. Simple as that. I don't need someone to say, you did a really good job. No, 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 <laughs> I need to get better, right? So what made you actually start competing then? Well, for that reason, I, I needed justification. So I trained, like I say, uh, in, in normal bodybuilding gyms from when, yeah, when I got here. I was living in Northern Beaches, uh, trained over in Bondi for a little bit, living there, and, and just all just normal gym rats. Um, yeah. That's all it was. And the progression there was good, you know, in Manly, had some good training partners, and it was just it was just like what the class of pro workouts, but we were training, we were deadlifting, we were squatting, you know, we were using all the dumbbells in the rack, and that was, that's all we cared about, was lifting more than each other, and it was, uh, you know, a, a competitive environment, and then there were guys that were interested in powerlifting, I first heard about it, yeah, probably mid to late 2000s, and one of the boys, he started powerlifting training. And I didn't know anything about it, and we talked about numbers, and and I reckon up until, honestly, 2012, I only worked in plates. I didn't know kilos. So a guy would ask you, you know, uh, how much you benched or how much you squatted, I'd be like, oh, you know, two, three plates. And he's like, <laughs> I always worked with uh, 140 kilos. I was like, how much is that? That's do, do you include the bar? You don't include the bar. Right? Everything was plates. Old right? school. That's <laughs> old school. That's all we cared about. So my mate goes to this competition, he comes back as well. So what were the guys that deadlifting? Because I hear the guys, you know, probably like 260, 280. I'm like, so I'm trying to, how many, how many plates, plates is that? Is that? <laughs> so I'm in the gym counting plates. And so do you count the bar as well as the plates? He's like, yeah. I'm like, really? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, because all the collars are heavy as well. I'm like, no, these are just clips. So the whole concept, <laughs> I was like, really? It's, it's just plates as far as so All we're concerned about is they put a 20 on, and then you put a 10 on, right? And if you're a weak twat, you put the 10 and the 5 on. You just went from 10 to 20. And if you grinded it out, we didn't care, right? That's all that matter was you picked up more than the other bloke. Mm. That's all that's all we cared about, you know? And squatting, you know, and leg press, you just want to put more plates on. Add a plate. Yeah. There's no fives or two point fives. No, no. Oh, fuck. Fractionals. Like they were like, you could uh, disco biscuits. Remember discos? Disco biscuits. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it was just uh, lost it, Mike. <laughs> it, it, it was just the fact that that's what that's what they class as bro gyms, but they were normal gyms. You know, even when you came here, how many, you know, the, the, the concept of strength and conditioning gyms, they're, they're not new, but they were like a, a finer market, right? Probably in the mid 2010, 2009, was DeFranco's really, when YouTube came around, DeFranco's training facility was like the yeah. one that, you know, mm. really blew it up and brought it to the public eye. But before that, I mean, they you were know, so underground. If someone had something called that, you're like, oh, that's an elite level player. Oh, that's like for, you know, for real lifters and real athletes. And, you know, so, I'd done, uh, yeah, so up 2000 and, uh, what was it, 2007, 2006, I think, yeah, moved, moved the Gold Coast, um, and worked at the end, started training up there. And then the first comp I seen was advertised in a supplement store. It was yeah. Strongman Nationals. That was uh, November 2008. And it was just literally a poster up, and it was the first time I've ever seen like an, an, an amateur competition anyone could enter. So I'd kind of obviously, you know, still been training. I'd gone into gyms and, and been to a lot of bodybuilding comps, as in watched them and, you know, been around sort of guys that had been competing and never really had an inkling for bodybuilding. I did at one stage, but it was just like, man, diet, that's, that's hard work. <laughs> yeah. you know, it really is. You, you've got to be, that's, that's a, that's a lifestyle. Time. Yeah, you know, and, and when you're 70, 80, 90 kilos and, you know, uh, it, it must be difficult for these guys, especially in the UK or in winter, 
to maintain weight when they're hungry. Their calories have been cut, you know? So yeah, people are just looking at Instagram and seeing Facebook, see all these people that live. Don't think people really understand, and even I don't, to the point of you actually doing it, how hard it really is. You know, it's like next level stuff. When you get to pro level bodybuilding, for men and women, you know? Yeah. It's, it really is, you know, it, for me, training is a lifestyle. It's not a sacrifice, not commitment. Nobody sacrificed nothing. No one forced you to come here, right? It should be part of your lifestyle. It's trying to tell people that are trying to lose weight, going, well, mate, you've done really well, but you know that this is an ongoing thing. Just because, you know, you've been on a diet now for six, 12 months, you've dropped 20 kilos, but in order to leave those, you need to leave a healthy lifestyle. But trying to tell people that is, is hard, right? Mm-hmm. We've all either tried to put weight on or take weight off. But to maintain either or, it's a full-time job. Mentally, it drains you. Putting weights on was, yeah, wow. That's someone I'd never want to go back and do again. So you, when you came here, what do you reckon you weighed? So yeah, when I came here, still, still around about 70, 70 kilos, 75 kilos. So when I moved to, to Queensland, I still would have been sat around about the 75, 80 kilo mark. I was at the gym, uh, probably yeah, four or five days a week. So then obviously I've seen, um, seen this poster and accomplished something like, you know, four or five months away or something. I was like, oh, okay, this could be interesting. So I'd always watch Strongman on TV and um, and thought, well, we'll give it a go. So they had weight brackets. So I'd never been the sharpest tool from Bunnings. I was going to know what? For me, Strongman were the biggest guys over there. Powerlifting, the biggest dudes over there. So how do you go in like an under 90, I think it was under 105? I'm like, I would just feel like if I went to the comp, that there was still another level to get to. So it was a 120 bracket. So basically, we, we got on a mission, and we started literally eating. And all I did was went back to uh, Arnold's book, looked at all the compound stuff, as in, and did a few, few little researches in some books and magazines, uh, compact food. Uh, so, so normal complex carbs, rice, uh, pasta, um, and for me, uh, potatoes weren't too good. And we just built it up. So we got up to about uh, look between about eight to 10,000 calories a day. We were eating a kilo of steak, kilo of chicken, a kilo of rice, and then we were eating in between the meals. And I got to the point where I was so fucking over food, I would throw up and then still carry up and eat again. So you went from literally straight to 10,000, you went from- No, we built up gradually. So I said, the, the meals are split out, so it, you know, we, we'd kind of been eating on what we thought was a lot of food. Well, it was bread and stuff, but mm. in order to really, yeah, to, to focus, what I was missing over the years was why am I getting any bigger? You know, so I would have been what, mid, mid-20s, late-20s, and, and we thought, oh, we eat a lot of food, used to have a lot of sandwiches, and, and, and it wasn't like proper, you know, complex carbs, and that's, you know, for me, what, what, what put, put the weight on. You know, we managed to find a, an even balance with rice. Uh, had, you know, white rice, bad, got tired really quickly. Brown rice, you know, just slowly felt sleepy and just went to basmati rice. So just increase the meals, and that's what anyone asks me now. There's no secrets. Whatever you're eating, triple it. It's that simple. So if you think you're eating enough, you're not. And I didn't even know about sort of calories and, and, and macros and all that crap, and I was just like, just eating. And then slowly I started to track it. So I would go to the butchers, and I'd get all the meat cut up into bags. I'd say, what, 250 kilo, so 250 grams. And I'd buy, say, like two kilos of steak. He'd put them all in bags for us. Same with the chicken. And every single day then, we'd just basically take the bags out and start cooking. So we'd have like four of those, four bags of those a day with 500 grams of rice. 
and that was a meal. Right? That's a good effort. And then, and honestly, it might take like an hour to eat that meal. And you look at the watch, and go, fuck, go And you were just, I was, honestly, I was just eating in between. So we'd put, look, even the, look, the fats were like cashew nuts, cheese, um, and water. Water was definitely um, one of the secrets to help digestion. The more water I could drink, obviously. What you drink it later wise a day. But if you drink more water at the wrong time when eating rice, your stomach blows up. Oh, wow. So it was tiring, and yeah, it was so the, the the weight was creeping up quite quickly because it has a training effect the same as a new guy coming to the gym mm. or a new chick, right? If you haven't trained or picked the weight for two years, you're gonna make progression. You give them a five kilo dumbbell in week one, they're gonna get to that twenty kilo dumbbell, aren't they? Pretty By the time in twelve, yeah. And food's the same. So when you destroy and hammer the body, and I was getting to my get into my, 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 my growth period, where at the end of like late 20s, the body slows down. So it, it started to take weight, and the weight, yeah. So probably three to four months, yeah, we'd done about 35 kilos. We went in first comp at, at a, just, just over 120. And all I was doing, I, I kid you not, right, no chemicals, no gear, no nothing, was food. I destroyed it that much, eating that much food. So start weight was? Honestly, I reckon probably about 85 being fair. 85 years later, 120 in and three then, months. Then about three or four, and that was just food, honestly, the amount of food I was eating. But we'd, all we were doing, we were squatting, we were deadlifting, then uh, we'd done some strongman training, um, and I'd, I'd looked some research up with some of the boys, and, and yeah, there, there, honestly, there was no secrets. It was at the right time when my body wanted to start growing, um, you know, 20, what was that, 28, 27? Yeah, I hadn't, yeah, I hadn't started competing about 28, 27. But yeah, it was just sort of like timing. I didn't know it was timing. All I cared about was I needed to get to the heavyweight bracket. Mm. I didn't want to go on comp day. I was trying to gain weight. You know, and now I was trying to drop weight. I'm like, really? Mm, yeah. No, put weight on. Go to the next category. Oh, you can't tell the people that, can you? That's right, yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, no, it's too hard, that one. So what, you want to be a, like a big fish in a little pond? But catch that either, apparently. Yeah. You meant to encourage them going, yes, you're great. <laughs> right? Fuck's sake, get stronger, get some weight on it, go up a category. That's to me, it's progression. I love that. Mm. Well, in my, my belief anyway, right? And the honest truth is all the experience I've had talking to people and whether they get upset about it or not, everyone always says to me, ah, oh, no, the weight to too big a jump. You know, especially powerlifting. I don't want to go up a category. We'll get Why fucking not? stronger. Correct. Get fucking Very stronger, simple. yeah. So, you know, I, I had a simple theory with, uh, with, with, with physique, was how they got bigger, obviously got fatter. So I was like, well, I'm not gonna diet, so I'll just get a bigger chest, bigger arms, bigger back. Then you're not as big as the midsection. That's interesting to say that, because that podcast, so Mark who runs Big Dogs. Yep. He said at Pro-Raw, he was like, why don't you open more weight, cat- well, more weight classes up? He's like, I don't want to the competition. If you're unhappy with where you are, yeah move up a weight class and get stronger. It forces you to get stronger. It is true, you know? And, and I don't care what people, everyone's designed, they can get stronger. Mm-hmm. But people don't want to, and people get offended then when you go, oh, what, you don't want, yeah, he can be a world champion at 90, 100, 105, or 110, or whatever, and brackets are out, like 103.7, 109.14 grams or something. I understand, mate, seriously, just, and be as big a strong a version as possible. Of yourself. And there is a tipping point, as we discussed, where, yeah. where we all go at a certain body weight. When we get enough experience lifting, you go, you know what? I'm not any better at that weight. There is that tipping point. But if you utilize the weight you've got as you put on, you, you can use it. Because the way I look at it is, 
everyone on the top started out at the bottom. Every single guy, right? And all the guys I've met from around the world and all the comps I've been to, they're all just normal blokes. They don't care who you are. They're just guys like us. So you shouldn't be afraid of going, oh, it's right for him. Hold on a minute. I never started out. The stalk never fucking dropped me off at 150 kilos, <laughs> right? Didn't come in a container truck, right? I've earned the right to get that stage. Don't go, it's any easier for me. 100 kilos, still 100 kilos. Absolutely. It's still relative, you know? Yeah. But it's when you, people ask you, how long have you been training? And you tell them, and they go, oh yeah. It's like they're like the shadow of their world. What do you expect, like two years? I'm like, I'm not in a rush. I'm like, oh, so-and-so did this. And oh, he did this at this age. I'm like, yeah, and? Good for so-and-so. That's right, yeah. you know what I mean? It is, it's, if you're not happy and justified what you're doing, now you're never gonna be happy with the results, right? You're never gonna be, you're always gonna do better. Yeah. But that's what drives us. That's what makes us better every day. But every day that I sit on the bed before I go home, before I go to bed every night and go, right, I've done everything I can today. And honestly, half the time I go, no, right? And, and it's just a, a simple checking point going, what's the point in, in, in taking credit for something when you can do it better? So tomorrow, try and do it better again. So if I'm only doing one thing better, who cares? It's one thing. It's progression. You know? So whether you know, you're know you a drinker, you're a gambler, you're a smoker, whether you lose your diet or you're back on diet or you missed your sets, missed your, whatever it is, just find one thing. Because we can't keep being better every single day at everything. You know? It will just drain you mentally. But keep it simple. So whether it's one thing at the gym or it's one thing with your diet. If it's an AM thing, do everything right in the morning. Have a shit afternoon, but your morning's good. And all I do is just break down, you know, we, we have good days and bad days like the rest of you. Everybody does. There, there, there is no, and that's the thing, there's no secrets. Everybody thinks there's a secret, and, and there's not. You know, everyone wants to want to blame on anabolics, you know. No one wants to fucking talk about it, but it's in your face every single sport and event in the world, at every single level, you know. But it's okay to be accepted in, in sports that are family orientated, like rugby union. Uh, AFL, that's okay. But what these guys do, four, five, six training sessions a week and playing twice, that's okay, you've got a doctor, you know? So I'm not saying these guys are, but I'm saying that the human body can only go so far, yeah. you know? And it's it's about recovery, you know? But you get to an elite level and find out the Olympics is just one big joke because everyone there is on the payroll, yeah. right? Oh, it's, yeah, corruption levels. It, it's hard, you know? So for, you know, for, for people that go to tested feds and, and and it's just not an even playing field anymore. Society's not, you know? So whether it be recreational drugs, whether it be anabolics, mate, they're, they're everywhere, every day. Everything's gonna be a drug at some point, isn't it? I think it's so easy to get hold of now as well. Yeah. You know, you'll have uh, my Instagram accounts. I had a couple this week that are just steroid sellers. Yeah. Just follow even, you out of nowhere. Yeah, like, even recreational sellers yeah. as well. It's crazy, it's everywhere. But people are gonna, I don't know, I suppose everyone's different and everyone competes for different reasons. Uh, I see a lot of people that come for records and then you never see them again, you know? And I always look at it this way, is, uh, you know, uh, ever seen Days of Thunder? Rings a bell, I think I've seen it. Right. So Tom Cruise turns up to do his test drive in, in, in NASCAR, right? And uh, Michael Rook's there and, and he does this fastest lap possible, right? Never driven NASCAR before in his life, right? And the guy who owns the car, he's the world champion, he just goes, now let's see how you go on the track. And he bombs out all season, just gets actually destroyed. I've seen, you know, guys that got fantastic lifts and training, turn up for a comp, can't put it together. 
It don't mean fuck all in the gym and on YouTube and Instagram. Come and put it on the platform. That simple. Come to a comp and do it. Mm-hmm. Because if you want to be competitive, no problem at all. So I'd rather come last at a comp and make my lifts than be a, a, a gym hero going, oh, yeah, you know, you're squatting 400, but come and do it at a comp. You know? And that's just for me. That's, that's how I gauge progression is you need to see where you're at. Maybe you go, well, he didn't turn up. Well, that's not my fault. On the day, the comp was announced and these are the best lifters. And then we had this uh, Australia's Strongest Man got taken off Benny Simpson one year, right? He was announced Australia's Strongest Man and because Warwick Brand yeah, didn't like that too much, right? Then they took the title and gave it to him. That's a long story, that one. Now, the boys <laughs> that know about it, you know what I'm talking about, right? And, and it just, it, it's just, some people, they just don't, they don't like being told that they're not, they're not good enough. Or that, you know, there's someone else, there's always to be somebody bigger and stronger. Always. Always. Isn't I sat down there chatting to you and Luke. I've never I've never felt like a little boy like no, I did I just think then. I felt. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. Yeah. Boys, you know? No, he arrived like that, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> right? He came like a Hercules. He <laughs> dropped off at Richmond, right, Air Force Base. Right? Have you seen his box jumps? Yeah, they're phenomenal. Oh, elegant. No, I was too worried to look and keep looking through it. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm not picking them up. Because you're going to look at me going, can you put my stretcher? No. <laughs> If he want to fucking jump, he deserves to fall. Right? <laughs> jump is not fun. Go back to pressing, right? Yeah. But he's a giant man. It's huge. You know, there are, and that's the thing. These guys are just, you know, they're just big human beings. Mm. You know? The Americans, I remember going to a, a first comp in, in the US or second comp. There was nationals and uh, uh, and they have heavyweight bracket there. They had like up to 300 pounds and then super fat bastards after that. And he turned up and holy shit, man. I'd never been surrounded by so many guys because obviously when I started um, there were only maybe four or five or six heavyweight guys there weren't many you know it was sort of a, a very sort of underground and, and word was trying to spread and there weren't many of us and to find like I think it was like 20 27 guys like 300 pounds and like 15 guys like over 300 pounds it was like a, it was in a, a national park and it was just like 40 large human beings <laughs> but they all fitted in together. There was nothing unnormal, you know? I was like, fucking hell. It was a bit of a shock to the system. That was a huge wake-up call to go, oh, okay. Because obviously the, the American system has been ran for a lot longer and it, and it worked, but yeah, that was, a, that was an eye-opener. You know, you, you got a guy at 350, 400 pounds, you know, and, and he's moving, you know? And, and we talked about this before, the standard keeps going higher and higher. Yeah. Amateur guys now, under 105s, under 90 guys, they're, they're, they're all just as strong now. It's um, crazy. You know, you've got guys that are under 100 kilos, or 400 plus, you know? Standard, keep pushing up. Don't care how, it, how they do it and what they're using, whatever, they've still got to lift that weight. Do you know what I mean? Still muscle fiber moving. 100%, you know? But they're, they're reaching that point where social media, all comes back to social media, because that's what's driving the world at the moment. Let's be honest. You turn on social media for the day, what happens? Have a lovely nap. It'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? <laughs> but can you imagine what would happen? Said so no social media for the day. So in your world right now, if it got turned off tomorrow, what would happen? Well, my shit's would be boring, because that's why I usually sit there and uh, <laughs> my third shit in the morning flick through Instagram. <laughs> but I don't know, yeah, it's quite weird. I've never really thought of that, really. Think yeah. You know, where where it, it, it's, it's our new, it's like our newspaper. It's like our newspaper now, I suppose. It's like, but it's not real though. No, 
No, it's not. It's, it's like just a daily, up, book, just really, a daily update. Yeah. But why are people so? I wouldn't say obsessed or fascinated. It's almost it's an addiction and a habit. Yeah, yeah. it's a habit. It's, it's you know, it, ironically, you talk about anabolics and you go, hang on a moment. You take someone's phone off them for the day, and you see how they respond. You go nuts. I can have both of mine. Having fun. Mine just rings. So you, but <laughs> I, I, even young kids, like I've seen young kids have iPads taken off them, and it's like yeah. World War Three. That, that worries me a little bit when it's installed yeah. at that level, yeah. at that age. It's funny, I've met a couple of parents of the same sort of thing. You know, where they are two or three year olds have even the iPad to watch. Booked. Yeah. Scary that, yeah. But that technology isn't going to change. We can't change that. But we can control social media because mm. we're all part of the equation, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what people don't realise. It's being driven, but you being on it and part of it, you're part of the problem, mm. but also part of the solution, right? So it's had its good points and bad points. But for me personally, it, it they're, they're starting to massively outweigh, you know? So when I didn't have any sponsors anymore, I didn't see the point of it in social media. Because I, you know, what's the point? Someone wants to know about it, they give me a call. You know, for me, as a, as then what I would say an athlete is the only purpose of of having a presence was to give something back to the sponsors. Yeah. Right. They'd help me, so therefore, and and the moment then, I wasn't at a point where I think I was sponsor worthy, and my my lifting sort of you know had a bit of a change of 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 strength direction. That was it. I wasn't wasn't. Why would I take Take your know, benefits and 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 all the features that go with sponsorship. If I'm not performing, if you're not placing money in comps, then what gives you the right to be a sponsored athlete? But apparently now you don't need to be good at anything to be popular. Everyone's sponsored. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, now everyone gets a medal now. See, like, I, um, I don't know what it means. Uh, Monster Energy. Like I drink so much Monster. Sponsor me Monster. Yeah. Well, they're not They make off. a bloody fortune off of your dumbass. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and that's the problem, right? So I don't know anymore what's normal, what's not, because everything now you have to acknowledge everybody's lifts, yeah. and you can't tell them go, mate. There's like four thousand fucking people doing that every night. <laughs> Do you know <laughs> what I mean? You're not special. No, that's right. And you're not trying to deflate them, and you're not trying to, you know, belittle the people that are having a go. But they don't seem to be, you know, as, as humble, as modest as, as what they should be going. Dude, you know, seriously, it's like you've been in the gym six, 12 months, you know, and then you went to a powerlifting comp and you're a powerlifter. Or you did a PT course online and now you're a coach. No, you're not. No. You're someone with a piece of paper that says you can do first aid, right? <laughs> you, you, you know, but you can't talk about that apparently. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed to. What's, um, that's one of the things like we've, we've chatted about before is people need to identify something so I'm a strong man I'm a powerlifter I'm a weightlifter whatever it may be mm. like how, how have you seen that change because I, I don't I've never seen you walk it, it, go I'm yeah no, I'm, no. I'm a uh, yeah exactly I'm just a fat guy who goes you know what I'm just getting old <laughs> right seriously I do feel old uh, every day you just look around and you go man you know I, I still try and train with the same amount of focus and attention yeah but it frustrates me when I, when I see people and my only, you know, I'm definitely no, no coach unless I we pass an opinion advice. Anybody I've spoke to since I've been here is, is the, the, the mental game is what I, I see that now I don't believe I, I, I know all about it, but I'm a lot more wiser to, to how to assess uh, people. Mm. I can't maybe correct your deadlift or your squat in a, in a technical term, but mentally wise, you're just watching people's body language. 
And you ask them straight, going, well, what do you expect? There's, you can't be polite about it. There's no way around it. Stop fucking about it. It's that simple. You're not going to focus. I'm going to put all your attention in. What do you expect? What are you doing? But if you want to whinge to me and you put everything right and you focused 100%, no problem at all. Then you're going to, you know, approach it in a different manner. But nine times out of ten, people just aren't prepared. But they think they deserve the weight. And that's one thing that annoys me, right? You still have to earn the right to lift your warm-up sets. Just because you did it last week, don't take it for granted. A, that's how you get injured. And B, that's how the first thing you get a bomb is because you thought it was okay. Oh, I'll turn on now in my fifth, sixth warm-up set in. Why? Last week you had a good run and you changed your focus. Why would you change it again? Yeah. If it's not broke, don't try to fix it. Mm. You know? You don't try and change people's forms. We're not always careful asking people going well what did you do last week I did this and this so what did you do this week I did this I don't feel like an idiot I go why did you change it and it's just like you know when fucking a man just goes fire oh fire he's just like <laughs> mate why did you change it and you go oh that's great thanks a lot I didn't do nothing it's actually a question for fuck's sake <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I do with myself going when things are going bad when weight isn't going on well you know diet's not going well lifting, I go hang on when was it good? Then. What was it doing? Right, okay, go back and do that. It's not complicated. Why make it complicated at all? Why change something? So if you change too many things, you don't know. So people are adding number of supplements, you know, and I have this a lot with just normally you know, fish oils and, and multivitamins and, and zinc and all this stuff. And they have all these things, they go, okay. And you've got your creatine, your carnitine, your ABCs, your fucking desert. And you go, mate, what works? I don't know. But you're taking like five things. What works? Because how do you know? What do you mean how do you know? You take one thing, you go for a week, and you go, oh, okay, take it out. What do you mean? Well, stop taking it. And then three days later, you don't feel any different, or any better, you know, it's a waste of time. Mm. But people have got five or six things put in, and all I've found is you've just got to ask questions. Because when you ask somebody a question, and I'm never rude about it, I'm not honestly just a general interest going, well, why did it change that? If that worked, why change it? But it's not complicated. No. But people think that, you know, because you guys are coaches, and when they're obviously talking back, as just an example now, mm. they must think that you know, there's someone in a rural, and, and you guys have been through all of this at the beginning stages when the lifter starts with you, just going, well, well just got to keep it simple, you know? You can't keep t- telling them the same thing, right? Mm. They're all looking for something new and different. The magic hit position, or, yeah. Yeah, you know? So sort of sidetrack from your question, you know, how do I identify is every every gym's gonna get stereotypical mm. and stereotyped to a lift. Um, like you guys are branded as a as a, as a strongman gym. You know, and it was Amir's thing was consistently as he, he grew and, and, and the gym started building, you know, he, he didn't want to get tagged just as powerlifting. It's just something that he did. People came along and happened to compete in the same federation, you know, it's you know, he's a, a, a strength and conditioning coach of all sports, you know. And it was hard, he said, you know, trying to just not, didn't want to be unbranded, but there was just so many other things that, you know, he wanted to achieve with inside the sporting industry mm. and so many athletes. Like you guys, you don't get bored of doing the same thing, right? But the rugby players come in, they give you a better challenge than, you know, say, running the same powerlifting program all the time or strongman program. You don't take less and more interest, but having different athletes, whether it be basketball, hockey people and and for here yeah if it's tagged in that certain manner PTCs that's they've branded that well it's a powerlifting gym 
every single one in the country. Oh, yeah. You know, obviously, you know, Marcus is, is, is focused on that and he welcomes everybody and anybody. Yeah. And one of the nicest guys I've met, met in the sport of powerlifting. We listened to a podcast last week and that's the first thing we said. He sounds like a proper genuine, loves, yeah. loves he, sport he, powerlifting. He, he was, he's respectful about all lifters. He, he knows about lifters. And, you know, even uh, the short amount of time that I've done some of them, I've never had a bad experience with them. You know, I've done Cabo comps, done GPC comps. I don't care who your federation is. I'm not emotionally attached to anybody. Don't have any leads either way. I just want to lift, right? So if my little fucking pony wants to put a comp on, don't care, right? Why, why does it need like, you know, 40,000 forums and 15 million posts about it? He done this and he changed the weight for that. And, and that got a problem with strongman for a while, changing the weights of comps. Mm. Just turn up a fucking heard about that you bullshit know? politics. You know? Bullshit politics. Yeah, you know, I, uh, you know, the, the the perfect comp is very simple. You have ten events, you post them up, right? And the time frame on posting, you know, I remember, uh, I remember Dion Wessels told me that, uh, that the theory is very simple. If you need more than you know eight to ten weeks to get ready for a comp, you're not ready for that comp. And back then, you know, I was like, oh, that's a bit harsh. I'm thinking, fuck, I do that eight to ten months. But obviously everything was new for me, you know? Yeah. Um, but when I think back, look at now, and go, yeah. So there is no off-season, as far as I'm concerned. You know, when people say, I'm, I'm having a break, that's the worst time. That's when things start going bad. So I have a problem sort of switching off. You change your training slightly, but you're, when you're in season mode, that's it. So if it comes in January, and then you're doing like a March, and you, you plan your season out, and people don't do that. But they wonder why then, the commitment and the sacrifice gets built up that much and they need acknowledgement for everything and you go, hang on, hang on. You planned all this out for three months now. What was your own, oh, I don't know. But you built it all up now. Now where do you go? Then you spend three months pulling them out of the fucking hole because they've changed the whole lifestyle, they've ramped all the training up, they got their PBs and they go, well, okay. Got a pat on the back, a little gold medal. That's all it is. So unless you set these targets and the goals internally for yourself and justify what you want to do, you're going to get smashed down because there's nothing out there. So unless winning, and, and there's no, it's, it's not like a negative, it's just trying to tell people that you've got to do it for yourself. You know, I know people that have broken records, who have won events, and they've had no acknowledgements. You know, expecting like sponsors, they're expecting their coverage on social media, expecting people to talk about them, and it doesn't happen. For whatever reason, good or bad, but you've forgotten why you started. And people forget why they do it. Once you forget and while you're doing it, no medal, no trophy, they don't mean shit to me. If I leave, whether I come first or last, I go happy with my performance. I turn up at Worlds and I'm talking about the top 10 powerlifters in the world there. You know, I'm fucking opening, these guys are still warming up with my opener. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, it, it doesn't, doesn't phase me because I put it in perspective going, they're not any better than me. They're just stronger and at a different stage of their strength career. That's all I look at it. Everyone's just at a different stage. I'm not better than anybody else. You know, some guy's been training for five years and he lifts more than me. So what? I can't change it by worrying about what he's doing. All I do is worry about what I'm doing. What you're doing, yeah. That's the only thing you can change. And that's what I see a lot in, in, in the lifters is if you don't, you don't stay focused on what you want to do and more worried about what's on Instagram, what this guy's doing, this guy in this division, who cares? You drive yourself nuts as well in the process. But I don't have that sort of massive competitive nature, you know, where I, I have to go and prove a point going, for me to say, call yourself a powerlifter or a strongman, 
you need to go to those, you need to go and compete in them. Go yourself a bodybuilder, you ever compete? Not a fucking bodybuilder, are you? Yeah. How many guys talk to her? A bodybuilder? Oh yeah, to the comp? No. How are you a bodybuilder? Right? <laughs> I drive past a Porsche garage every day. I know the Porsche, do I? <laughs> do you know what I mean? I just don't understand. It's very simple, fellas. You don't call yourself something if you're not. I'm doing it. Yeah, and, and people don't like to be told that. You can't tell them that. Parents on the journey. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel a t-shirt coming on. Yeah. Picture of Mike with the journey. But your, your competition history, take us back to uh, one of your favourite comps. The um, one that you probably, one that you enjoyed the most. Um, I don't know really, because I still see them all as, they were all like quite, quite, quite a learning curve. And I went to, uh, I went to New York, did, uh, and I didn't, first time I experienced them, they got a lot of categories in the US. So I did the I first, that Oz Strongman one. And then the second comp was in Sydney at uh, Sefton um, Strip Club. That Sefton Playhouse? Yeah, yeah. We remember doing stones there at 7 o'clock like at night. Right? <laughs> Pinched back the strip job, all the flashy lights and everything. <laughs> and we're still doing stones, right? <laughs> everything took so long back then. I don't know, it's strong. So I've done some, you know, I've run, I've cut the comps, and uh, I've been to quite a few comps. And, and you guys know, right? Why do comps take so fucking long? Well, we've got a bit of a reputation for being too quick. Like people are like, oh, you didn't give me enough time to warm up. I'm like, this comps run for six hours, mate, and we've banged out five events. There's nothing worse. People. There's yeah. nothing worse. We finish, let's go next. It, it, you finish, let's go next. You can talk to all the good people. And I'm, I'm being like respectful and, and, and yeah. you know, to everyone that puts a comp, because I know how much work it is. Oh, like, all promoters, all gym owners, and I'm still trying to find out where the formula is going. Why do things take so long? So the, the choice of events I've learned over the years of uh, can be quite bad as a as a promoter mm-hmm. is they look really good, but then you don't factor in how long they take. You know, so I always looked at comps. You know, that wasn't necessarily the easy comps, but I'd like to. You know, in in the US you get a choice of the events, right? In regards to there's so many more comps to choose from. Mm-hmm. So I had ten comps on that month somewhere in the US, and all about different events. So here, you know, they were very limited. They have like one every two to three months or something. So one after uh, Sydney, um, though, though that I was, yeah, we were there from seven in the morning. We were like, like 12, 14 hours. That's it. I, I remember actually falling asleep in the car park lying down That's not for about an hour or two. There was a break, you know, and they said, oh, we're going to have a break. Break for what? Let's yeah. just get on with it, you know? And it's a, it's you can't criticise it because until you run a comp, you don't realise how much is involved. Mm. But choosing events, if you're going to use, you know, and that's what I learned watching the US and, and what what Dion had always started. You got nationals there; they're like four or five of everything, right? And I remember talking to him. He goes, "No, you've, you've you've got it. The only way to get any better, it's a business, and that's what it is, you know, for her. And, and the, you've got to smash these comps out. You can't put two guys in a yoke." And then go, hang on a moment, this is uphill. I've been to events where it's on a hill and they haven't thought about the fact that you've got to keep bringing the yoke back. I'll just bring it back, hang on, how is that fair? One's down here, one's uphill. Been to a lot of comps where promoters have gone, oh, we're just going to return it back. I've gone, no. So that run there is is different level. One's downhill, one's uphill. How is that fair on the other guy? Mm. So they have to bring the implements back. 
Now you unload a three four hundred kilo yoke. And you're gonna keep bringing it back all the time. You know. You don't mind doing that, do you? <laughs> I will. Yeah. You want many? It's those things. So as as a, as a lifter, you know, we've got tunnel vision. You know, I turn up as a, as an athlete on the yeah. day. And go, I don't care about your problems. I don't care about your problems, right? You, I pay my money. I want yeah. to come and compete. Yeah. And that's why people's mentality. I don't believe they're really arrogant, but they've got tunnel vision. They're not designed to give you appreciation of what you're involved in. As far as they're concerned, I pay my money. Want to compete. That's it. So it's hard. So when you're on both sides of the fence, you can kind of go, you know what? You know how hard it is to get all this equipment outside, to find people that want to spot and load, and to try and keep the day going? It's draining. Yeah. You know, it really is hard. So obviously, hats off to everyone that does it. And, and I think most people that are now consistent have now worked out how to make it go faster. Yeah, and powerlifting is no different. Those comps have gone for quite some time. <laughs> yeah. Don't get me started. Yeah. You know, and, and you're always trying to, and it's, it's never one thing directly you can go, why did you do that? Yeah, bench press. Well, yeah, it's just, just yeah. bad, really. <laughs> yeah, no more pressing, right? But, you know, there the, 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 the should be, as they've happened now, which was a good thing, the, the novice thing, Yeah, that was good. Because that gives people a, a stepping stone, right? So before I started, there was only one comp in the country that was Australia's strongest man. That was it. And it was a, a handful of people invited Derek Boy who was had won numerous times a year. I remember the first guy I met in, in Strongman was Mark Wells, a heavyweight guy up in Brisbane. And he'd actually done the comp before. And he said, man, the first one he'd done, his man was so far out my league, he was ridiculous, the weight was just too much. He did some of it, you know, but it was such a big jump. So when Chris Andrews came out with our Strongman and, and, and that started, it was, a, it was designed for guys, you know, that wanted to go from being quite strong in the gym to actually try in the sport. There was no in-between. We had like one comp a year. So unless you were, you know, you, you were self-educated, you knew how to train for a comp, there was no assistance. And that's why I had like five or six lifters. So once uh, they started this sort of series, that went for about a year. Um, yeah, I went to New York and they yeah, worked out the, the, the weight categories, because I won that. I don't fucking mean in the divisions, I couldn't lose really, could I? Because <laughs> <laughs> I won, I was, I was like, well, how many people, just you. I was the only super heavyweight guy. So, so on, I generally, honestly, on the day, there was like four four or five heavyweight guys. So in my head, right, I'm trying to work out, right, my good events, my bad events, where to place, what I need to do, just, and I thought, oh, okay, yeah, I think I've come second. And they go, oh, you won. I'm like, oh, okay. And then they go, and then the winner of the uh, the 300 pound division, and all the other four guys stood there, I'm like, so I wasn't against those guys at all. I was like, Hang on, so you pissed you off even with them? I thought I was, yeah, I was, it pissed me off. <laughs> yeah, so I thought I'd come set, I'd, because but you won though, but no, I was on my own. Yeah. Right? <laughs> those four guys, I wanted, oh, I've got to die, please, can I go back? No. But, and then I didn't realise that was the, the weight category. But that one wasn't bad. That was a good, that was a, an experience to travel over there and, and try it. Uh, went to see America's Strongest Man, and that was an eye opener. That really was. So you know we have these visions in your head of what you think a comp is going to be? Mm. So when you're a young bloke or a kid, you know, like the Olympia and, 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 and all these titles and you think of the venue being all swinger. No, it was in, a, in the middle of a field with a gazebo. <laughs> that was America's Strongest Man. They were, they were the, the biggest dudes. And that was in the, the era of Poundstone was, yeah. That guy was Derek a Poundstone. Yeah. He's yeah. still training, he's still, he's had a yeah. few massive injuries, hasn't he? Yeah, no, back injuries, I believe. Yeah, stupidly nice guy, really just, yeah, but. Uh, really good podcast with him and Big Loss. Yeah. Yeah. He got really shredded a couple of years ago as well. Yeah. Like he could have stepped on stage, he was massive. Yeah, but I think, yeah, bad, bad back injury. Mm. Very bad back injury. 
uh, and that put her out because he, you know, uh, we were talking about ball fortissimus, you know, one of the old school events that ran for two or three years in in uh, North Canada, and uh, yeah, he'd won that. That was like the prestige. That was one of the super, super, super heavy comps. So you go back like and start watching stuff from 2001 to say 2010, and then after you put those weights of novice comps, it's ridiculous. You know, where now a 400 kilo yoke, that's like an opener for under 105. You know, if that's me, you go, you're kidding, right? No, no, it's 480. Oh, I'm going 480. It's 480 yoke. What happened where 380 was heavy, you know? Those days are just gone, and they're just, we've just jumped up massively. But how do guys get any better? You've got to have a go. So having these uh, novice comps, a great idea. It grows the um, sport. Yeah. I think you've got to find that balance in the novice comps too, though. You've got to, you've yeah. got to challenge them somewhat. Yeah. I've seen some novice comps that are ridiculously light. Like one of our boys is going to do a novice comp in a few weeks. Um, he touched the log for the first time on yesterday, Friday. Um, and he put up the weight that he needs to hit in the comp on his first go. So, and he's not a, he's not jacked, he's not particularly strong at the moment, you know. So you guys educate me, right? Because obviously we didn't have this, this luxury of having introduction comps here are the weights this is what they are right so is there a point where you, you just go oh hang on a moment yeah it's sort of a it's more like a training session but you mm. turn it into a comp right so the social media people love it go oh it's a strongman comp yeah. oh really and you find out you know well these are just like it's it's a novice comp like i know there's a place for it but at what point does it not encourage people to get better so it's not as if you have to be at a certain standard now to enter a, a novice comp, even powerlifting. Now they've done away with qualifying totals in certain organizations. I personally question it from a self-respective going, well, don't you have to be at a certain level to enter a comp? When you open it full bore, which I understand, people want to try it. But because it wasn't a choice for me, it was this is what I want to do, I want to get better, I want to enter forces you to get stronger yeah I, want, I don't want to force you to get results but then to, to a point novice comps act as a this I'm going to dip my toes in the water and see if this is for me for a lot of people rightly or wrongly no no that's, I, I, yeah. I, I literally ask from a learning perspective yeah. not yeah. to be rude to anybody because we never had that choice mm. it was very simple these are the ways you weren't just a beginner intermediate to enter even a grassroots comp back then you had to be of some standard mm. You know, but now, you know, you still got people doing novice stuff and, and, and beginner stuff and they shouldn't be. Because they're actually they're they're further than that as you said. Yep. The weight's too light. So what are we encouraging here? With that feel good factor? Yeah, I think you're an asshole if you you keep doing that. If you if you've been doing it for a while and you're re entering novice cars. I remember there's a big fallout. <laughs> you're an asshole, isn't you? Yeah, but <laughs> someone um was quite an experienced lifter. They'd gone to quite a high level and they jumped into a novice comp because they'd had a couple of years out of the sport and they used that to okay, warm, yeah. warm, warm back up. But they absolutely trounced the other novice lifters. Like yeah. 200 kilos above everyone else's total. Yeah, at that point it'd be... I don't know. It's a grey area because, you know, with society changing as it is, and everything's social media depending. Mm. Keeps coming about the same thing. I keep saying the same thing all the time. It's all about social media. Mm -hmm. Because it makes you guys look good or look bad. So if you don't encourage to have these comps on, people don't want to try it. I mean, it is like me and just go, well, just get stronger. 
you know, and they don't like that mentality. I don't have any other mentality. That's tunnel vision. It's because I want to go and do something. I want to compete. I want to do a comp. What do I need to do? These are the weights. Oh, do you think you can put them down a little bit? They seem a little bit heavy. <laughs> well, can you just change that event, please? And would you mind if I didn't put on as much weight? We just maybe come to this bracket. Yeah, so you fuck off. You know what I mean? We can't do that now. No. But the standard of, of strongmen obviously has got better, and we've had some people come through. Uh, and it's made a difference, right? Absolutely, because you bring in, and that's the thing as well that the novice comp does is it brings more people to the sport. So if you've got a larger pool of people, but you're going to get you know more people. So you have a theory on this, right? Well, I 100% agree, right? Without a shadow of a doubt. But at some point, you're kind of going to go, well, hang on a moment. If you need to be encouraged and baited to come into the sport. Yeah then maybe the sport's not for you. That's only because everything I do in my world is I've already done my research. Mm. So whether you're gonna buy a car, you're gonna move into a place, you know, you're, you're gonna do a particular project, you do your homework first. So I understand what you're saying, and that's obviously what keeps, especially business-wise, going. You know, comp's, comp's not a money maker. For anyone listening, nope. no. <laughs> right. Absolutely not. Right. And any money that Money's is made, it, it doesn't work out with the time the providers divide the hourly rate up, you work with like $5 an hour. Right? If so it's not for money, yeah? yeah? But I, I just, it just, I'm not sure. There just doesn't seem to be a good, a good time or a bad time. People just put a comp on and then it's an obvious comp one minute and then this one's a big, and I don't know. Is there a system here or not? Is there actually a system now of, of strongmen? Arnold's have, I'll, I'll say it, not a season, season's not the right word. There's a, a period for Arnold's, so there's a qualifying system yeah. to get to Arnold's. Um, minimum standards that you have to hit. Right. Um, in terms of running novice, into intermediate, into national level comps, no. Right. So is it like a, a regulating sort of for outside of Arnold? So everything well around Arnold, does it? Arnold's your biggest. You've got ASA, Australian Strongman Alliance. Uh, Chad's still running that? Yep. Yep. Chad and Drew. Yep. And he's still a static monster. That's very yep. successful, yeah? Yep. I have spoke to him a few months ago. He's done a very good job with that. Yeah, he's done really good with static yeah, monsters. The progression of that from, from where it was to it's huge now. Yeah, the, we went to the World Champs at Queensland Gold Coast. It yeah. Was, it was a massive World sports venue. Yeah. It must have been a higher. Mason's a big sponsor of of static isn't he no he started. provided some of the equipment provided the kit for it yeah bloody cool log that was yeah yeah 100% that, that, that as a so as I said back to the same thing social media right mm -hmm. I want social media I don't know so I generally now as, as just what I say an average lifter you want to come back into the sport no idea because everything now has been in so channeled on social media mm. that there's no other way of communicating with people now so yeah. if you're not on it, people don't want to know you. I don't take offence to that, I'm fine with that. But if you're not, if you don't have any presence or you're not on there, if you're trying to find out anything about anything in this world, you've got no chance. Mm. You go to all the websites, everyone's website, nothing. I know it's an expense to keep it up and running, but it's very sad that we're relying basically upon one, one major platform throughout the industry to update people. So there are there are some freaks hiding in caves out there. Oh yeah, right. There are some. Ridiculous They're my favourite ones. Yeah. Seeing those guys rock up like our oh, boy Paulie, 
Um, he went up to nationals last year. No one heard of him. He he doesn't do social media really. Yeah. Um, and he won ASA nationals as yeah. an open competitor. And they're like, "Where have you come from?" I just yeah, just trying. Just a lot trying. of guys out out bush out Westway. A few guys have turned up mm. and they try out there. And that's what I mean. That's where it, it'd be nice to get that that back. Everyone's to show with him before they turn up. Well, that was Andy Bolton said that on the podcast, didn't he? So they used to turn up to, I think, was was it WPO back then? He did yeah. the big meets yeah. and he said, you know, they go to these cars, but nobody knew what people were going to do. You had to turn up and do your best. And after they sit there and have a beer and have a, have a feed and they talk about their training programs. Yeah. And he said that was the fun part. It was like, we're talking about what did you do? We'll see again then. No. And then next week. Next year. We're always you know? next year. And that's where you know, me and Luke sort of joke about it, is that we only sort of see each other at comp, you know? And we live <laughs> in the same city. You know, and it just obviously life takes over, but to a certain point, there, there, there is no, yeah, there's no surprise. Everything there is is really good in one aspect, but everyone feels now they've got the right to know and make an opinion about somebody, right? Especially you know whether so say Brian Shaw put someone up, Eddie put something up, uh, Thor puts up. Everyone's got an opinion. Who the fuck are you, mate? You're gonna pull four hundred pounds. My 40 kilos, you know? The other part of it is a lot of them make money off of this. Like, their big revenue screen for them is YouTube, is yeah. Instagram. Um, I don't know anyone makes money off Facebook necessarily, but it's another way of just getting it out there and advertising YouTube to make the money off of it. Well, it's chicken the egg, isn't it? For that guy to get me better, yeah. he needs an income. You know, up until, uh, I don't know what year, whatever year it was, Eddie was a mechanic. Yeah. He worked full time. Yeah. The only, you know what I mean? Only two years before... 2015 or 16 wasn't it? He had a guy sponsoring didn't he and from a big health yeah, club and that's, that's right and then he was able to train full time and you know and, mm-hmm. and most of the guys at, at, at pro level I don't know about the about the girls um, they're either coaches they do online programming and uh, so they start making their money so I don't have an issue with the concept of that what I've got an issue is that everybody everybody thinks they've got the right to make an opinion and assumption you know uh, on because they're hit behind a keyboard yep you know, and, and that's just social media. We're never going to solve that in a conversation. That's just life. <laughs> you know, society becomes weak and pathetic because we're reliant upon every day influences from other people for our lives to go forward. Mm-hmm. If you put half as much effort into your own life as you did watching someone else's, then your life would be what you want it to be. Better. Well, they always think grass is greener. Yeah. If you got someone making a cup of tea and they went down to the shops and they made a fucking some YouTube video on it, that ten million people watch that. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. What? And they make and a of money off I've it. done research on people and gone, so what have they done? <laughs> Nothing. How the fuck did 15 million people watch this video? Yeah. I don't understand. It, it, I know I'm... I'm That's I'm society now. That is society. But it can't be right. People, you're adding to stupidity. Stop watching nobody. If they contribute you <laughs> nothing to society, you know, their life's more exciting. Make your life exciting. I don't understand we just become obsessed and that's the problem it is a, it, I, I believe it's going to be a problem it is an we're, addiction we've been we've been obsessed with looking into other people's lives people put these vlog, these vlogs on YouTube and people are just obsessed I know. with seeing what people are eating for breakfast their morning that's routine that's my point they're no better or worse than all of us but they're, they're smarter because they've gone do you know what <laughs> I can make some money beyond showing my breakfast yeah well yeah. I think that might be a, a good point to sort of start wrapping up on is you know better or no worse yeah. No, focus, on, no. focus on yourself. They're all the same, and and all these these guys and girls are in the fitness industry at elite level. Yeah. Right. Everyone that I've experienced, most of them, I'd say, more more than a, a you know ninety nine percent of it, are good people, 
and they're just normal people. They're not any better or any worse, they're just generally normal people. And the only reason why they can be short and difficult because they're focused on what they're doing. Yeah. You know? And, and, and some people just don't understand that. But on the same token, these same people put themselves out on social media, they wish to have a fan base, then you have to set a responsibility. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of a double-edged sword. You go, well, I don't put myself out there, but if I do, I don't want to experience everything at once. It's a sort of all or nothing. But people think they've got the right then to make comment and, and when they see them. And it, it is hard to maintain that if you want to get better, you need to be doing it full time, right? It, it's hard, yeah? Yeah. It's like you guys were, when you were doing, you're still doing now multiple jobs and run a gym. You know, you're having to make that balance. But mm-hmm. to do it 100% as you want to do it, you'd have to be a full time, right? Mm-hmm. So you'd make all the changes, but then the money needs to come in. So you've got to go on social media then to create an outlet because it's free advertising. It is. So it, it all kind of makes sense, but there just doesn't seem to be a divide, a sort of flat line. We've just gone full tarred too quickly, <laughs> uh, and, and, and people just don't know. They don't realise what they've got in front of them. No. That's the problem. It's easy to jump online and watch. Have a look at your life. So I'm one of those retard kids. Okay. Why, Dad? Why? <laughs> why? I want to know. Why can't you do that? Tell me why. You take money out of it and take health because you can't pull that card. That's a cheap card to use, right? Not everyone's always healthy, right? So the average random healthy normal man and woman, you know, why can't you go and squat 200 kilos? Why? Tell me why you can't do it. Oh, well, I've got this. Ah, well, that means you can't not want it enough. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Well, that's it. <laughs> you, you guys are normal, regular guys. Same as me. Doesn't get any more ordinary than us, really, does it? You know, and you treat everyone in the same manner. Mm-hmm. I'm not any better just because I don't speak to that many people it doesn't mean I'm any better it just means that I just, I'm worrying about what I'm doing in my world you're focusing on you know the task in front of you would well, you be uh, would you be happy to do a part two next week Mike uh, I suppose I didn't yeah because that was that was flipping awesome uh, yeah well, <laughs> we're an hour and a half in I didn't have anything of interest no, I, I thought no, that was chat. brilliant mate I really thank appreciate you very that. much for your time really we'll, good stuff we'll pick up part two next week because uh, I, I know people will love listening to this yeah. I, I, I didn't even know you had a fucking podcast last Tuesday the mic was turned on <laughs> <laughs> I was like I don't want a podcast it Mike, will you jump on the podcast for us? See, what's one of them? (laughs) (laughs) Come and have a chat with us, mate, and we'll record it. I was like, really? People do that shit? Yeah. I got nothing interesting to say. We're just. No, you have. You have. have, I don't think you've. Yeah. No, honestly, I just go, I just go, we're just having a conversation. Yeah. And I just go, but why do people make things complicated? Mm -hmm. I really don't understand. Well, let's have another chat next week. We'll do another part two. two. It could be a part five coming up. I like these. Uh, and this, thank you very much for your time. This no, no, no. Uh, Thanks, I, Mike. I'd say uh, appreciate you having us, but I didn't know you had anything to have me on. <laughs> <laughs> You're a good man. I'll chat to you next week, guys. Cheers.